Welcome back to this week's edition of the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Nick Daschle, and I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Uh, the Beavers are coming off a 42-16 to 16 loss at Utah. I was, I was there in Salt Lake City for that one and getting ready to for another week of Oregon State football where they play um, at Stanford this coming Saturday. Joining me on the podcast is former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Welcome back to the podcast, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. Where do we begin here? I, I thought maybe let's <laughs> – I'm trying to come up with a word to describe Saturday. 42-16 looks like a route. It just didn't feel like a route. It felt like – I'm not saying Oregon State should have won the game or anything, but it just felt like an opportunity missed. And I don't know if it was disappointing or discouraging or misleading or all of the above. What What did you think? I mean, like if I were to describe it, I, I, I would say dis- – disappointing i would say uh discouraging it it was just it was just sad like you know and i think for the first time in a long time every beaver fan's been so excited and so just like you know riled up and like so much enthusiasm ready for this like to watch each and every game and you know when you go into a game like this and what i mean four interceptions ending score like 42 to 16 um, it, it was just rough to watch. Cause then like, we're sitting there in the group chat and we're just like, man, it looks like we just went back a couple years. Like we're back in 2000, what, 16. And I mean, it, it was rough to watch. It was really just sad. Like, it was like, where did our team go? I mean, I didn't feel like it was 2016 bad. I, I, I felt like, I mean, I mean, if you, if you go back and you look, I mean, it's 21 to 16 shoot. No, it's 21 to 13. Oregon state's got the ball and they drive inside the 10 with a chance to tie the game in the third quarter, kick a field goal. Um, you know, and even, and even after Utah scores, make it 28, 16, you know, Oregon state goes right back down, gets inside the 10 you know, they punch that one in. It's a five-point game late in the third quarter, and then it, you know interception the other way, touchdown, and pretty much the game's over at that point. So I mean, it didn't. I mean, that's that's what I meant. It's it's kind of a misleading game in a little bit, but shoot, turnovers are part of a game. I mean, you you know, bad teams make turnovers. I'm not I'm not saying where you say it's bad, but you know the they're they're a big part of the game. You you work on that in practice to get takeaways, and Utah did it. I mean, their their corner was exceptional. I think we just left a lot on the field. Like there are so many points, so many opportunities to score. Yeah, he played well. I still think like what the first interception shouldn't have been. I mean, that's a that's a decent. You gave your receiver a chance. The second one, you should have saw. You should have been able to read that. That's not a throw that should have been made. The third one, you should have saw. You shouldn't have thrown that as well. And then the fourth one, you should have thrown to his back shoulder. So, I mean, there is plays where, like, each one of those, on top of just getting in field goal range, I think, you know, if you even look at the years between, like, 16 and all the way to now, like, we're normally a really good, you know, red zone team, I would think. Uh, I feel like when we get in the red zone – we come up with the seven, six, seven points. Whereas like that game just didn't seem in my mind, like, I don't know, they are a good defense. I cannot say the least they are a good defense and they're a good team overall. 
But I think that, you know, we just left the points on the, like, didn't put them on the board and the opportunities that we had, we just didn't, you know, pull through with those. Yeah, I was looking up. I was going to look up the red zone. I know at one point Oregon State was was number one, tied for number one in the country in in red zone conversions, but that was a few games ago. I'm I'm just looking here. Yeah, they're uh, 22 tries, 19 19 scores, 14 touchdowns. I mean, they're not horrible, but this last game was really was really. Uh, the difference i mean they were in five times and came away with three field goals and and two picks so um this was by far their worst performance in the red zone this 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 past game um you know i'm just looking what, what oregon state's three and two they were three and oh now they're three and two i mean on september one if you'd have said oregon state's three and two I don't know. I think most Oregon State fans would have taken that at this point, but the expectations are so high right now that I it feels like kind of a gut punch. I think to fans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you go on that three zero run, it's like wow, we have all the momentum in the world, and then even so, you go into USC and you know we lose by three. Play a great. I mean, four interceptions. You know, it's going to be hard to come back and win that, but. Our defense showed they could play. Our offense had way, a lot of glimpses of light. So it's like, all right, like, you know, we can take one, especially to a number at the time, seven team in the country. It's like, yeah, we, we, we're good now. And then, you know, you go into Utah and it's like, okay, it's Utah, but we're now Oregon State. Like, we are a team to play. And so when you see like that kind of loss, like I could, I could understand and at the same time, I'm a fan myself for Oregon State. It's like, hey, we're going to come in here. We're really going to play these guys. So when you see that ending score, you're like, it's hurt. It's, you know, it's a it's a hit to the gut, and you're like, all right, we aren't could be could not be that caliber team. And I think right now it's just that iffy moment of how good are we really going to be? Like, because I don't know if you'll see games like this again, or if you'll see games where we just really start showing up all over again. It's like, where was this? Those two that that one or two games that we needed it, you know? So it's. Right now, as fans, we just sort of wonder, like, how good is Oregon State? Yeah, well, I'm I'm a, I'm kind of looking at this. I, I'm saying they're they're three and two. The sky. I, I've written this a couple times. The sky isn't falling yet. I mean, it's not like outside of the national championship, which was never really. I don't know why that would ever been a goal. I mean, I guess it is, but you know, it's not really a goal. And probably the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, that's not dead, but it's kind of dead. But everything else is still in play. You know, you go to Stanford, you win Stanford, you 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 go, you play Washington State at home. That's going to be a tough game, but that's a game you can win. And you certainly should be Colorado. You know, at that point, you're six and two. You're bowl eligible. There's only been three teams that I can think of since the '60s, maybe even earlier that have been bowl eligible for Halloween at Oregon state. So, I mean, that's, it's still, I mean, there's still a lot to play for this year. And then you get, you know, if you're six and two going into November, you got, you know, there's Washington, Oregon, Cal, Arizona state. I mean, you got at least two of those games that are winnable. So you're still looking at an eight or nine win season. If you can keep this thing on the rails. Well, I think the positive part is that, I mean, we just, in my opinion, we just took, we just finished the two hardest games we'll have all season. So, you know, for us to, I mean, we still have UCLA and 
No, 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 UC, no UCLA. Oh, no the, UCLA. The toughest games are Washington, Oregon, and Washington State, probably. I'd say those are the three toughest ones left. Oregon, uh, yeah. Oregon, I still don't know. I, they're still on the fence for me. I still love watching that first game back from the beginning of the season for them. But, I mean, I think Utah and the USC games are going to be two of the hardest games we play. We'll play a couple other teams that are, you know, hard. But I think that Utah game was, one, an eye-opener. Two, I mean, they're going to have to go back in and, you know, really dictate, like, who the leaders are and what they want to get out of this season. So it's like, hey, guys, now we've played hard games. We'll know how the other hard teams will play. So they're going to either man up or they're just going to be average. And I don't see them being an average team. This is a team that's different from any other Oregon State team that we've we've talked about, discussed this week in and week out. Like, they look good. And, you know – Nobody's going to be perfect every week. You know, yeah. they just had a rough week and it's two back to back. That's the hard part. And I mean, I, I think they can overcome it. I sat there and I watched the interviews with coach uh, Smith after the post game conference interview. I saw Jaden's interview and I mean, he hit it on the head. He's like, every person's going to have to go and watch film like very detailed and watch themselves and think what could have I done different. And so it's going to be up to them on how well they want to perform for the rest of the season. They're not even halfway through. That's the positive part. And we're at a winning record. Now it's not necessarily the record they want it. They want it to be nor us as fans, but at the same time, I mean, the sky's the limit on still where they want to take it. You never know. I still think Pac-12 championships, a small slim, like it's a glimpse of a champ still, you know, you never know what happens with Oregon's Oregon. And the way we played USC, you never know what could happen with them. Utah, they look good, but we beat them last year at one point. So could we do it again? Possibly. So who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, we all knew this schedule was front loaded. I mean, that. Oh yeah. We all knew it was Utah and USC right out of the gate, and the only team that had a tougher schedule going in is just happens to be Stanford. I mean, they opened with USC, with Oregon, with Washington. So. You know, these two teams that are playing Saturday are both going to be going, wow, this is an opportunity we, we haven't had yet. You know, this their easiest Pac-12 game we've played so far. So um, so I guess one thing I was going to ask, you know, you being a, a former player, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you, you know, you get – you get those eight interceptions and you can really, I mean, that's, that's really the difference in these two games is the interceptions. The defense played well enough. They played well enough to win at Utah and they definitely played well enough to beat USC. I'm just curious, can a locker room stay together after a couple of tough ones like this or what, what kind of a roster does it take to keep a, a, you know, a locker room together? Cause I mean, I think you were on, you know, one team that, kind of fell apart if i'm if i'm if i'm i mean that 2017 teams i mean that's no secret i mean i mean i'm sure it fell apart um what 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 causes what causes the locker room to you know to fracture like that and then what what would keep this team together i mean a locker room that can fracture and completely fall apart is one that sort of just loses faith in their own team and then sort of loses faith in the program where they're just like we suck and then you start telling each other you suck. And it's like, you want positive morale. When you don't have positive morale and like, hey, you got this, like a player that's not selfish and can, you know, give each other like positive um, inspiration and somebody that can uplift others, 
that's the kind of people you need on a team where it's like, hey, you might not have done well this time, but that's a play that I know and I expect you to make on the next time. So this wasn't the best game. So be it. It's behind us. You got to move forward. You got to move on. We got other games and we have opportunities. So it's like, all right, cool. That's what you need on a team. Whereas, you know, we've had pass and I've seen it in the locker room where it's just like, dude, you had five missed tackles. You had somebody like literally like jump ball over top of you. You can't jump. You're the weakest dude. You're the third string. And it's like, that's the negativity that you don't need. It's like you want everybody on the team to perform to the best of their abilities. You need to uplift each. And like, you know, it's a it's football though. So it's like, sometimes you want the, bro, you suck. It's cool. Cause you don't want anybody to get cocky headed. You don't want anybody to sit there and, uh, you know, like think too highly of themselves. It's like, Hey, we're not the best team in the pack 12. You don't need somebody sitting there just like, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. But at the same time, you need a lot of positive morale and also being able to be humble. So that's the difference, I think, in this team compared to our past teams, where it's like we just put each other down. All individuals put each other down, whereas this team is like they understand it. And I think Jane's been in the program for seven years. Let's all understand this. Now, it's a long time. So he's seen the biggest negatives and the lowest points to the highest points that we've had in a long time. And I think he's the person on top of so many others that can help bring this team together and be like, hey, it's on me. It's on this leader. It's on this leader. It's on our quarterback. It's on our running back. It's on our O-line and it's on everybody. Whether we had a good week of practice, would you say it was perfect? No. So it needs to get better. And, you know, like being able to go through everything that they did wrong and understanding how to improve that and be better about the upcoming week to next two weeks. And I think they have that leadership that we didn't have on the team to help keep them positive, motivated, and hungry for another bowl game. Because, I mean, bowl games where we want to be at, and, you know, if they have a shot at a Pac-12 championship, that's where you always want to be. So Yeah, I don't see this. I don't see this team, you know, falling apart, you know, for now anyway. I mean, you, you, ne- you never know down the road. But I, I just don't see this team falling apart because they, they got so many veterans and the team has been together for, shoot, for years. And, you know, a lot of these guys have been playing together for three and four and five years. You know, in Jaden's case, he's, you know, he's played with pretty much everybody for at least a few years. So I, I just don't see it. They got too many veterans on this team to, to let that happen at this point. But, um, just kind of go through, kind of go through some of the issues at Utah. I mean, obviously the interceptions were the were the big one. I I, I went through the the video and watched over and over and over to see what I could see, and then I asked Jonathan about the interceptions today too. And I I thought the first one that Clark Phillips made, he, he made an exceptional play, and you know I just I just felt like Jonathan said he didn't think the route was was run all that great. It, it could have been run better, but but the but Phillips made a great play, and I, I kind of thought the same thing. I just thought he kind of wanted the ball more, and that's sort of what it looked like on video. I don't. What, what did you think? Yeah, no, I, I listened to the interview, and I mean, I think Coach Smith sort of hit on the head. Same thought that I had. It was he just said like the route wasn't ran, and I mean, Timmy could tell you like I would think you'd want to gain more leverage, like make it look like it's an absolute fade before comeback and I don't think there's full speed into it where you made the corner 
think I'm going deep so he could sit on it. And I mean, I mean, when you came down to the ball, yeah, I think the corner just wanted that. Like he knew he had his hands on it. So why even give up on it? And he definitely made a great play. I think that first one was like, all right, like I'll take that because you made a, you made a, you put a ball in a spot that your receiver could get and it turned into a 50, 50 chance yeah. where you want your receiver to show that's he's that guy. And, you know, it just happened to be that that corner wanted that badly. And so he made a great play on the ball. I mean, yeah. there's nothing else you could really do on that one as a quarterback. The second interception that that was just inexcusable on, on chances part. I mean, you, you could see that one coming before he threw it, even that it was, it was going to be a, it was going to be a pick. It was just going to be a matter of, it was going to be a pick six or not. I mean, Jonathan pretty much said the same thing. It was just, it just was not, a, he needed to go to, he needed to go somewhere else. And he didn't, I, I don't even know if we need to even go over that one. That was, that, I think everybody knows that was not a good play, but the, uh, the third, the third interception was, was Ben Galbrinson. And that was the one where he threw in the end zone to the, to the, uh, guy named Hubert he's the he was the safety and he he pretty much I mean he just I think Ben was just locked in on on his receiver and and I the the guy didn't move I mean he he kind of knew where it was going and and he I mean Ben sort of threw it right at him if he hadn't picked it I think Phillips might have got it in the end zone because he was covering I'm I'm trying to I think it might have been Dunmore I can't remember who it was or it's Harrison I think it was Garden um anyway I don't know what what did you see on that one the third one to the end zone, I mean, I feel like as a quarterback, like, yeah, it's okay to be locked in on that play because he had so much room where you could, what I thought would have been better is to put it on his outside shoulder rather than the inside shoulder because he had all the opportunity to make a play. But because he threw it so short, it gave the DB enough space to, like, also play it. No, I'm talking or about – you're going to do about, two things either. I'm not talking about – are you talking about the one in the, the – la- the last one was the one in the corner. This is the one in the middle of the field – where where um the the safety picked it and he ran 70 yards back to the 30 it, it, that was the one i was yes. referring yeah there were so many no yeah you're right on that one i mean yeah I, i'm sitting there like okay there's one there's two i got three i'm like what was this one yeah no i mean i saw all the same things you were saying and at the same time i just didn't want to take a pick six because i mean it seemed like he had a full steam ahead on top of if he wouldn't have tripped on his own player like yeah, I mean, that one. That one to me is on the quarterback. There, there was, it just was one you should have thrown there. But and the fourth one, I mean, they're down forty-two sixteen at that point. They're trying to make a play. Jonathan didn't think that you know they 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 executed that one quite right. And the and you know he didn't throw he didn't throw it to the he didn't throw his he threw it right to Phillips pretty much. I mean, it was there was no chance for the receiver to even get the ball. I didn't think, but. I don't remember that one. It was in the corner. So. It was in the corner. Um, um, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Should have just thrown it either closer to out of bounds or to the back shoulder. Right. So, yeah. I mean, now, you can't the, throw that many interceptions and no, give yourself a shot to win. No, especially when the other team's throwing none. Um, now, the the yeah. one that drove fans crazy Saturday uh, outside the interceptions, I guess that drove them most crazy. But the one that drove crazy was the running game. I mean, it it was working. I mean, for the most part, it was it wasn't you know ripping off huge chunks, but they were moving the ball with the running game, and it just seemed like at times they 
you know, I thought like on that third drive, they had just gone, Oregon State had just gone down the field, run, they'd run it right up Utah's throat, scored a touchdown, got the ball back after a three and out. And that's where Chance threw overthrew Harrison on a on a deep deep ball, and then threw the pick six. You know, rather than let's you know try the running game and keep running, see see if we can just keep something going. I I just felt like that was no. I mean, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking, obviously, but it just felt like that was a situation where Oregon State just needed to keep the running game going and and see. I know I know the. I know what they were thinking. They they were thinking we can't we can't put together twelve play drives all game all day long and beat this team. We got to hit some explosives, and I don't disagree with that. But at that point, you you kind of got to establish yourself a little bit, and they were running the ball. I thought that was a situation where they should have kept trying to run it. But I don't know what you thought. I mean, I think the way for the first time Oregon State's run game, like you're saying, did look great. It looks good, right? Where they they actually have opportunity where they can just sit there and pound you know, pound the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And I somewhat get Coach Smith's um, thought process where it's like you can't just run the ball all game or three-fourths the game and think it's going to work because at one point they're going to stack the box and they're going to overload the box because you're one-dimensional and you can't be one-dimensional in football. But at the same time, sort of stick to what's working and then that deep play that he overshot that's a good shot to take. You know, it's like, all right, we can't hit it, but we're going to hit it later. So it's like, you know, stick with the run game, especially when your quarterback is not confident enough. Chance Nolan, nor the second, the second string that came in, if they're not confident enough yet, don't put them in situations. Or if you are going to, you know, give them enough room where it's like, I can keep running the ball and we're going to get downfield so I can make short passes when I need to. So I feel like the run game is where they're finally starting to get, you know, like, back to what norm what was always a North Oregon State thing. But, you know, like with the interceptions, trying to overthrow, trying to make these plays that these quarterbacks aren't con- comfortable or they don't have the confidence again now, run the ball. Give the ball to Griffin, give the ball to Martinez, give the ball to Fenwick, and let them just sort of five yards, four yards, six yards, yeah. ten yards, and just sort of chip away at it. I mean the I mean the other the other situation actually this was the the bigger one on the running game was was the red zone where the first three series that Ben was the quarterback they got the ball inside the 10 and they got it to the 10 on first down they got it to the 8 on first down they got it to the 5 on first down and every time they pass the ball on first down rather than run it and I'm just thinking in that situation why would you not just keep running the ball get it to a situation where maybe you can use Jack Coletto on third or fourth down. Um, but they never got to that situation because each time it was an incomplete pass. And then they got themselves, you know, kind of in a, you know, second goal at the 10 and at the eight, which is a little bit of a tougher situation. Then you can't use Coletto. So that, that I just thought that was a lost opportunity on those, on the, on that, on those situations, at least one or two of them, they, I would have I would have tried to run it on first down anyway. I feel like more times than not, if you don't have like a if, they, if there's not a solid solid defense in front of me, I'm probably going to try to run it on first down. Or if I have like a Musgrave or somebody on the outside that I know is going to win a jump ball more times than not. But like if in my opinion, yeah, like if I'm within five ten yards, I'm gonna run the ball till I get a little closer. And it's like I'm taking the chances of if my run game is hot, I'm taking my run game. I'm not trying to miss, you know, misplay him and 
do something that the defense isn't expecting because, I mean, what, he already has two interceptions, three interceptions now, four interceptions. I'm just going to sit there. My run game's working. He's getting five yards. He's eating five yards. So I feel like if you're close to the end zone, run the ball. Yeah. Get a little closer. If not, it's a touchdown. So. Yeah, I mean, the two things are kind of missing right now in the red zone is obviously it's Musgrave. He, he, he would make a big difference. And then the other thing, they don't really seem to have a running back that they can throw to out of the backfield right now without Trey Lowe in there. So those are a couple things that, you know, they, they don't have at the moment. So seems like just another reason to run the ball. But, you know, what do I know? Um, so what were your impressions of the of the defensive performance? You know, did, didn't have any didn't have any takeaways. But, didn't have takeaways. but they were pretty they were pretty good against Utah's running backs. They didn't they didn't you know they were rising at it had he was too good, but he wasn't I mean he wasn't all world, but he but he was good. And they and they did they shut down the tight ends. The receivers were were pretty good. I don't know what what you thought. That I think that was that was probably I think that was Utah's lowest yardage output of the season and which you know i'm not gonna get too carried away there because i mean they had the game in hand they don't you know you you don't win with yardage you win with points and they they had they had enough there so but what did what did you think of the defense i think they were i don't know i want to say i think oregon state was somewhat mediocre uh i want to say that they showed opponents uh area of weakness and keeping a quarterback contained I mean, he would get to the outside. He'd run down the middle. He's getting yards by himself. Yeah, their receivers were good, so they got the ball downfield every once in a while. Yeah, they stopped the run game, which was good. But I think just the the main point that I noticed every once in a while was that their quarterback would just get out. And when he scrambled, it would just be who's going to get it and who's going to stop him. And are we going to stop him before first downs? Like, I mean, I saw him get out a couple times. I was just like – the outsides are somewhat open. He had all the time in the backfield. And that's just like, come on now. Like we got to figure out something where it's just like, so I think that's an oppor- a area of opportunity. Cause I mean, and you look at the past couple games, they were getting to the quarterback and I think there was times where we would, but at the same time, like I think there was just too much time in the backfield for him. Yeah, they didn't. I didn't think they got enough pressure on him, but and they haven't got, Oregon State hasn't got a lot of sacks this year, but they have been pretty successful at, at you know, getting pressure on making and forcing early throws. So that was something I didn't see in, in this Utah game a whole lot, but, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that materializes next couple games. Um, so Saturday, you know, they Oregon state's got, they got a quarterback dilemma a little bit chance Nolan or Ben Gulbranson. They don't know. Jonathan doesn't know, you know, what chances injury situation will be at they they want to see you know first he's got to get you know cleared and then and then he's got to practice and and if he's if he practices and he looks good he's going to be the starter but you know if he's not able to practice or if he's not able to practice then it's going to be ben gulbranson but i mean what who, who do you prefer out of those two i don't know it was rough um uh, i i i want to say chance nolan it's very hard to say it because I mean, he's thrown six interceptions now in two games alone. I mean, does he have confidence to feel like he could be back there and like manage the team? 
and, you know, give them the ability to get a shot at winning. Um, Nolenberg, yeah, he looked good when he came out. He could run the ball. You know, he felt confident. He looked good, but he doesn't have the games under his belt to how will he act in a full game scenario. Um, different looks. How is he going to manage the clock, manage the team? So, I mean, I would take Chance just because of those reasons that he has the games under his belt. But the real question is, is if he's healthy, if he's able to play, like, is he going to have the confidence to come back and not take the last two games into account and basically second guess some of the throws he has to make? Yeah. Well, for this team to get where they need to get, the quarterback can't have seven touchdown passes and eight interceptions after five games. I mean, that's just, that's, that's just a fact. I mean, and so he's got to be better, but and we have really not seen enough of Ben Gulbertson to say, yeah, he's he 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 should he should be the guy or he shouldn't be the guy. I mean, they haven't really. I mean, he really hasn't even had a game where they went into it game planning for him. So, if Chance isn't able to go, we would able to be able to see what do they do when they when they give Ben a game plan. What what can he do with it? But so I don't really know. But you know, I think their chances at this point probably a little better with Chance Nolan. But if he's not a hundred percent, then I think it's time to see what Ben Gulbertson can do. And it's really too bad about Tristan Jebby. He's, you know, he got, kind of, you know, the, the injury deal two years ago. I mean, won two straight games and he was playing well. And boy, he hasn't been able to play since. And it's just kind of too bad. Hopefully at some point this season, they'll, they'll be able to find a spot for him to play it, you know, cause he's, you know, he's stuck with a program where a lot of guys would, they'd be transferring or, or whatnot. So kind of feel bad for him, but hopefully there'll be a spot for him at some point. Um, yeah. What, uh, what was, what's Oregon state do with the tight end position now that Musgrave is, yeah, I, I don't really know when he's going to be back. My sense is my sense is that we're not going to see him until November, but I mean, at this point they really, it's really a blocking position. They haven't got anybody the other than the freshman Jack Velling caught a pass against USC. They haven't got any, anything going passing wise. And I don't know if they even tried last week, but is that just a position they just have to muddle along with until Musgrave comes back or, or, I mean, I, I don't know how much you know or watch their, their tight ends, but I mean, Jake Overman is, he's played a lot, but he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't really done anything in the passing game. And then, you know, Jack Velling is, you know, he's a, he's a true freshman. He's played, you know, this is fifth game, fifth game out of high school. So, and then they got some other guys that play a little bit, but I don't know what you do with the tight end on this team right now on a team that kind of depends on the tight end a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the way I look at it is you have a really good freshman that's there right now, but yeah, he doesn't have the size or the understanding and the awareness of the new play calls, how fast the game is ran, the kids that are his size now. So it's like, I feel like it's an area of opportunity for the tight ends that are in the room with Musgrave now to be like, Will I step up and take his spot temporarily? And when he comes back, will we have a duo where we're both really good? Or it's going to be, does Coach Schmidt sort of just use that position as, you know, just a hold, you know, like a placeholder for basically running the ball. But then the third opportunity that I see is like that freshman where he has the ability, if he hasn't been playing so much this year, you know, they might redshirt him. And if they do, that's great. 
he has four games that he can play. And in those four games, see what he can do, you know, like make the most of it. And if you see a light, I mean, I'm taking it. And so the new NCAA rules are all sorts of strange with the transfer and you get a certain amount of games you can really play while still being able to use your red shirt and all this and that. But like, I would see if the freshman has enough ability to show light his freshman year, that's where they need to start partially giving the ball to. Now he isn't maybe big enough to run the ball or block though. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I, that his, his, his red shirt is torched. They're not, he, he, he's not red shirt in this year. He's, he, He's, I mean, he's playing. They, they need, they need him now because you know, with Musgrave out, he's he's pretty much got to play. But all right, so Oregon State's three and two. They they head to head to Stanford next. Um, that's a team where I kind of think Oregon State should get well. You know, the uh, Cardinal defense offense is it's decent. It's it's you know, it's middle of the pack in the Pac-12. They've they've threatened you know some teams USC yeah, they moved on USC moved it on Oregon, um, but their their defense has not been good. It's it's really it's really pretty soft against the run. And um, I mean this is a team that Oregon State should beat, but they can't take Stanford lightly. Stanford's lost ten straight games against FBS opponents, but that's a proud program. And you know at some point they're gonna. You know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna rise up and they're gonna knock somebody off and I'm sure they're looking at Oregon State going that's the team we're gonna knock off. So what are you what are your thoughts going into the Stanford game? I mean, yeah, we definitely need it. It's Stanford, which is a game we should win. I'm scared going into the game just from this past game, but I feel that you know it's gonna be a ten point. I feel like my last couple thoughts on a couple games have been like way off. I just think it's going to be a 10-point game, one way or the other. And it's going to be a good game overall. Like, it should be a game that we should just win. But I feel like from this past game and the game before, it's going to be a lot of, you know, iffy. I'm hoping for no flags. I'm hoping for, you know, like us being able to just run the ball, play smart, and that the whole quarterback situation makes things hard with Musgrave out, with low out. But I see this team being able to, thrive and sort of overcome the obstacles it's gonna be a bounce back game and i think that they have all the ability to one show that our run game is great two show that our receivers are great threats and then as long as the quarterback that's the part that i'm still just like i don't know who and i don't know how they'll sort of manage it but that's the one area that i have no clue what's going to happen this week I, I just think Oregon State's got to run the ball against these guys, and if they're effective, if they're effective with it, they should they should win the game. Uh, last year, Oregon State's defense did a did a pretty good number on on Stanford, and kind of the same. It's it's not everybody's back, but a lot of the same guys are back. I I'll, I'll be surprised if Oregon State doesn't win Saturday, but you know it's not a game. It's it's not a Colorado. It's not an it's not an Arizona. It's it's that that's a team that's got got some pride and I can see him I can see him playing their best game of the year it, it, you know and Oregon State better be ready for that what so you're picking what 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 I guess the last thing we'll do here what 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 do you got for a pick on this game all right my pick this week and I'm hoping that I'm not like crazy far off like I was last week but I'm hoping it's Oregon State up 10 plus 10 yeah 
I picked it uh, Oregon State 37, Stanford 23. Um, somewhere in that ball. I mean, Oregon State's about a seven-point favorite in this game, so I, I figure they're a little bit better than the than the uh, than the than the number suggests. But we'll see. Um, well, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. There's a wrap on this week's edition of the Beaver Banner podcast. Remember, you can find this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to check out Oregon Live for all our Oregon State content. We'll be back next week to talk about the Beavers game at Stanford, and then we'll be looking at the the uh, return to Research Stadium when Oregon State plays uh, Washington State on October 15th. We'll see you next week.